everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Thanks so much for joining me here today for episode 52 of Practically Zero Waste. Before we get started, I would be so grateful if you would take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this podcast on whatever your listening platform is. Reviews also help this podcast be seen by people who are interested in zero waste living and so on. So feel free to scroll to the bottom of that app and uh, hit as many stars as you would like or write a message to tell me what you're enjoying. Today's episode, I'm joined by Lori Nickel, the CEO of Second Harvest, Canada's largest food rescue charity. We talk about their mission to protect the environment and feed the hungry, the jaw-dropping amount of edible quality food we throw away every year, and how to end hunger and food waste at the same time. Let's go. So Second Harvest is Canada's largest food recovery organization. Wow. We we are a global thought leader on food loss and waste and food recovery, and we have a number of areas in our business. One is a logistics business, which is using a fleet of refrigerated trucks to pick up surplus food from across the supply chain. Our uniqueness is that we are perishable. 90% of our food is perishable. And... We focus on dairy, produce, and protein in our logistics business because that's the food that's hardest to access for low-income people. Mm -hmm. And we deliver that food to 370 organizations in the GTA. That's crazy. An offshoot of that is we have, there's so much food. There's so much surplus food that we often get calls for huge donations that we then broker out across the country. So, uh, for example, we had a call for 55 tractor-trailer loads of milk. And so we had to facilitate moving that product uh, so it could be accepted and used. And we are this one-stop shop for if you have a food donation of any kind, call us. We'll always find a way to say yes and figure out a way to move that food so people are accessing it. So that's our logistics business. We also last year developed an online system called foodrescue.ca. And that was to ensure that smaller and medium-sized yields could be recovered. That didn't make sense for us to send a a refrigerated truck to pick it up because we have an environmental imperative. We certainly do not want food in landfill because of the incredibly terrible impact it's having on our climate. Um, Food loss and waste, if it were a country, would be the third largest GHG emitter, second to China and the U.S. And so we really... are focused on this environmental impact so we're we're giving people tools and knowledge and skills so that they can recover food in their own communities that product launched across ontario this year it's launched in british columbia and we have a three-year rollout occurring with uh, many awesome national partners including major retailers starbucks uh, uh, hundreds of them so this will just empower communities to do this work themselves because that's really what we want to do is empower people that are doing similar work, provide them the tools, training, the collaboration, the partnership, so that that we can all get this done together. We're all in this together, and we believe that truly at Second Harvest, that this is a, a collaborative approach is the only way we're going to fix this problem. This is so great. <laughs> I'm so excited about all of this stuff. Because food rescue, where... Where do I even begin? Why is there such a surplus of edible, good condition, perishable food? Why? (laughs) Why? It's a great question. And I I really wish there was one simple answer. I mean, there's many reasons. 
I guess primarily I would say we don't value food the way we should and mm-hmm. the way we our grandparents used to. Mm-hmm. We've never actually had to live in an, an, a time where there was scarcity. So food is accessible. Food is everywhere. Food is pretty cheap. It's a commodity. And so intrinsically, I think we've completely lost the value of it. We yeah. overproduce in Canada and in every you know kind of Western country significantly. So all the food that is produced for Canadians, um, the food that is lost and wasted is 58%. Wow. So we lose and waste more food than we consume in Canada. What the hell? Yeah. And of the 58%, 32% of that could totally be rescued and uh, feed people. That's a huge amount of surplus food just going into landfill. And That's again, embarrassing. Creating wow. a, a really detrimental environmental impact. So why do we have all this waste? We did some groundbreaking research last year. Uh, so we would recommend everybody look at the Avoidable Crisis of Food Waste. It's on the Second Harvest um, website. We looked across the supply chain. We worked with Value Chain Management International, who had done some work prior and built on that. But it was a world-first research in terms of this is primary data and really getting to that granular, why are we doing this and how can we fix it? And so now this is the roadmap that is being used through every level of government and we're working internationally with uh, the World Bank and the UN so that we can create a standard. What you don't measure, you can't manage. And I think we have not been measuring it. So back to your question of how are we losing it? So many ways. At the farm level, in production, post-harvest, retail distribution, and and why. Often it's an overproduction, so there might not be, uh, you forecast it and you've grown more than you need and you don't actually have a place to sell it. We're all looking at the aesthetics. And so there are specifications that are required. And if you don't meet the specification, then you don't get that food. That food doesn't go to the consumer. Mm -hmm. And specifications can be uh, minute. Like it could be a certain curve on a banana. What? I'm not kidding. Yeah. Or or a size of uh, tomatoes. So you're you're a national or international fast food chain and you need tomatoes and your tomato has to be a certain diameter well if it's not well that that tomato was grown for this particular vendor then you're losing all of the ones that they won't take jeepers oh my gosh (laughs) jeepers is right it's uh terrible uh yeah It's okay. Funny. It's wow. terrifying. It's stupid. Um, yeah. Well, it's oh, where does this crazy standard come from? Is it is it abundance that has made us arrogant, or what is this? Oh, probably. I, I think that certainly has something to do. And there's you know a bit of the chicken or the egg. Where what will the consumers accept is what industry thinks. But I you know I would disagree and say industry you have a huge role in it. And I think we'll come around as as consumers. Um, there is this sense of abundance and you know you can actually see this where if you're going into a retail outlet and I will say retail actually has the smallest amount of waste I mean they get a lot of oh interesting um, they get a lot of flack like yeah yeah but theirs is actually their margins are so small that they're not really the big contributors interesting Uh, but as a consumer we know and even in farmers markets the farmer brings extra food because if there's only one head of lettuce we pass that stall and mm-hmm. go to the one that has 10. Yeah. something in our brain says oh <laughs> we need to have something to choose from mm-hmm. for it to have value for us 
So how do you connect with people who have a surplus of food? And if that's restaurants or grocery stores, or more likely uh, before it even gets to restaurants or grocery stores, you're contacting farmers. Are you reaching out to farms Absolutely. and factories and stuff? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. How does that process uh, work? Second Harvest has been around for 30, I think it's our 35th year. Wow. And so certainly there is uh, a lot of reaching out with food uh, providers at the farm, manufacturer, distribution. We work with every major retailer. We work with every major chain. We connect people not only with just we, we can access your food, but also providing that education on food safety to make sure that, you know, nobody nobody wants to get sued if they give food away and someone gets sick. Now, yes. in Canada, we have legislation, and actually everywhere, uh, and in the U.S. too, there's legislation that protects any food donor from uh, any kind of liability should somebody get from their food. And to oh, good. be honest, it's never, ever happened. Nobody's ever been sued, not in Canada or the U.S. So that's important to note, too, that even when some people think this is a risk, it's a you know, balanced risk. Nobody's ever been sued, and not even in the States. That's, you know, when people are trying to do a good thing, I think we recognize that. Yeah. So we have we have to talk them through that piece that everybody's covered and also food safety, especially when you're dealing with prepared foods. So we don't want to make people sick. We don't want anyone to get sick. Mm -hmm. So temperature controlled food, uh, there is a different risk to it. And so we make sure that that our nonprofit agencies have the skills and training and infrastructure before they can even access that kind of food. Mm. So if you have a program, but you don't have a fridge or a freezer, then right away, no, you can't access um, our raw meat because we can't guarantee that cold chain. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty important. And also we provide certification in food safety and handling. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, we have no harmonized food safety uh, requirements across Canada, um, but we think it's really critical, especially for nonprofits that are serving marginalized populations because they're often, you know, the highest risk populations yeah. in really do require that we're handling our food as safely as possible. Absolutely. How, on the other end of this, do you connect with the people who are receiving the food and who's receiving the food? Exactly. So, yes, we do in a number of ways. So, because we are a Toronto-based organization, we work with all organizations that use food in their programming. Mm -hmm. So, I'll give you an example. Some of them are very obvious ones where it's a food bank or it's housing or shelter of some sort where food security is challenged. And so, we want to make sure they have as much good, healthy food as possible. Mm -hmm. However, there's so much food. We work with any organization that can use food in their programming. Uh, for example, we work with a mental health facility and they work with uh, clients that are dealing with schizophrenia. Because what this does, it enables them. One, it's the foodrescue.ca platform, so it enables uh, a group of marginalized people to interact with the community by receiving these food donations and going from Starbucks to Starbucks to Starbucks and the other food providers. And then they have enough food to provide them their uh, lunches for the next day, I believe. Hmm. And what that's done is they actually had a food budget, a small one, but it allowed them to use that food budget on programming. Why pay for food? if you can get it for free. And so this, actually what they did was bought a van so they could go on more outings. Oh, that's incredible. And such a wise right. use of resources. And exactly. And we want to make sure people are using their resources well. We, we inject, I think this year, it'll be over $60 million worth of food into the social service sector. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Right? That's amazing. It's awesome. 
And what can people do with $60 million? And I, I know it's not $60 because some people would not have, some organizations would not have food. But there certainly is a whole lot of them that get to use their money for, for direct else. programming yeah. for exactly what their organization is about, which is exactly what they should be doing. Because everybody deserves food. So why why would free food that's perfectly good not go to the people who need it, who could use their money for something else and not tie it exactly. up in those grocery bills? Wow. Exactly. But- Oh, that feels so good. It feels so yeah, good to know that you're out there doing these things because, jeez. <laughs> this is, uh, there is enough food lost and wasted in Canada to feed every Canadian for five months. The end. Wow. Like, that's so, I mean, you've kind of said this, but how much food has been, food waste has been diverted since, in a year? What's the average that Second Harvest so, yep. can divert? So every year it increases, I think. Not, I, I know what last year was. Um, 15.6 million pounds of food was diverted. Uh, I think over the course of our, uh, of the course of Second Harvest, it's almost 200 million pounds of food. Wow. But we're also growing, right? As we're recognizing yeah. this issue is really an environmental issue. It's gaining a lot of attention right now, which is great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because we really do need this kind of support. And we don't have a food issue in Canada. We have a distribution issue. And so at Second Harvest, with $1, we can provide two meals because we're not actually buying the food. We're just distributing the food. What is the damage of food waste on our environment? For anybody, I mean, this is episode 52 of Practically Zero Waste. So if you've been listening to this from the beginning, you probably know the (laughs) effects of food waste on the environment. But for anybody who's just starting today, what is the damage? It's a direct contributor to climate change because... Food going into landfill produces methane gas. Methane gas is 25 times hotter than uh, carbon, and so it has, and it has a direct affiliation to all these floods we're seeing, all the fires we're seeing. Like I think in Canada we're seeing it, and it's happening in Canada at a higher rate than any other region in the world. Mm. And food waste, I would recommend everybody read the book Drawdown. Yes. It's a really, I shouldn't say simple, because nothing is ever simple. But Direct, it really is maybe. One of the simpler ways of managing this climate crisis is really looking at the food that's wasted across the supply chain, not only because of the environmental crisis, but because economically, it just makes sense for your business not to waste food. Exactly. <laughs> so at Second Harvest, we're about prevention first, always prevent yeah. any food waste from happening, whatever is whatever can't be prevented feed people with it mm-hmm. and you know there is a an inverted pyramid of how you manage surplus food but it is prevent always prevent and then people and animals like would just never want to see anything go into landfill ever mm-hmm. yeah what is the effect of like my backyard compost is it is the problem of food waste in a landfill that it's highly concentrated methane that's yeah. being produced. Okay. So it's just it's just not disintegrating. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So all. in a in a composter in a backyard, it's breaking down. It's becoming carbon, or it's remaining carbon, but the carbon's staying in the soil. Or exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I would. I. I mean, it's great that people have that you have that. But I think one of the challenges, at least in Toronto, is people don't think of it as waste because it's sitting inside of a green bin. It's still waste. It's still waste. <laughs> so, so it almost feels like it's you're not doing anything. You don't. You almost feel like you don't have 
you're not part of the problem. But the truth is, we're all part of the problem. Yeah. And so we really would rather not have a green bin. Yeah. Nominal green bin. But it gives us this sense of, oh, well, I'm doing my part. Not if your green bin's full all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's the same thing with, obviously, recycling bins are like a Band-Aid. You're saying that you recycle. And I'm grateful that you're recycling as long as it's washed and it's sorted properly. But, like... What if that wasn't even going into the recycling bin? What if you were buying something that didn't need to be recycled ever? Right. What if you... Exactly. Yeah, and also exactly. across Canada, we like our recycling is not harmonized in any way. No. So if you're moving from jurisdiction to jurisdiction... It changes. What may have been recyclable, exactly, may not be here. So I think there's just... I mean, recycling as a whole, packaging as a whole other Yeah, yeah, that one needs a whole separate episode of just yeah, like, for, <laughs> ranting for sure. but, about I mean, that. It's, it's similar with, with food waste. And, and like, I love what Toronto's doing, and I think more people should know, is they're actually using the organics, and, and they've got it going through an anaerobic digester and creating biofuel for their garbage trucks. Oh, so wow. That's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's useful. That's, that's zero waste. It's, it's great. Um, but there's a lot of food waste that is going right into the the landfill so yeah and in a city yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, in some cities like peterborough (laughs) we don't have municipal uh, compost pickup yet so that's another issue as it is so how can people get involved through the foodrescue.ca program say you're a business owner or a farmer's market or anything like that um what what do they have to do to get involved in that it's the simplest thing in the world just go to www.foodrescue.ca Go on the website. There, It's very intuitive, and we'll walk you through. If you're a food donor, you hit the food donor button, and it'll walk you through terms and conditions that will allow you to use this platform, and that goes the same for a social service organization. We have staff uh, at Second Harvest that work, well, that work across the province and in British Columbia that can walk you through the system. We have dedicated staff that work directly with uh, food businesses and food donors, so if you're having any challenge while you work through the system, mm-hmm. we're here to help. And then it's really as simple as, okay, I'm registered. There's food here. And you would um, input the type of food, the category of food that you have, and the, the weight of it and any other kind of notes that you might want to include. And it just goes out and pings to the community. And what we found is primarily, like, that's, a, that's great for the first couple times. Um, but if you are someone that or an organization that has food surplus every day or a lot once a week, it kind of moves into this reoccurring pattern. So you don't actually have to do that every time. Hmm. You just go into a reoccurring pattern, and then the agency would just validate, yes, I got X, Y, Z. I got you know two pounds of apples and ten pounds of bread, and, and they would validate that. But, and what that does, it provides the food business the, the most beautiful data. And metrics. So you see this dashboard that shows you how many GHGs you've converted. It shows you how many meals you've provided. It shows you the financial amount that that's impacting the organization. Also, if you're like an organization that has many franchises or many businesses underneath, you can roll that all up so you can see what each individual business is doing. Mm -hmm. And as as a larger organization, what your impact is. That's great. And people love data. Um, is that at all <laughs> useful for um, some sort of charitable tax receipt thing? Or I don't know how that would work. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, well, yes and no. So tax receipting in Canada is, is different than in the States. In America, you get you have a taxable benefit to donating surplus food. We don't have the same thing in Canada. Hmm. We do have a tax receipt for farmers. Oh. So they can access one. 
And if your food has a fair market value, then we can tax receipt. But to be honest, most businesses don't actually ask for a tax receipt. No, and no. I'm also on the a member of the National Zero Waste Council of Canada. And it was that one exists. of the things we thought we'd push. And industry just didn't seem to like have a big interest in it. So... <laughs> There you go. All right. <laughs> Which was nice because we're Canadian and we're just good people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's live up to that standard, people. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. What is the Zero Waste Council of Canada? How is this the first time hearing of this? <laughs> oh, National Zero Waste Council? Okay. So it is it's a whole bunch of stakeholders from different industries. So there's government, industry, NGO, academia. Uh, we work on different pillars. I obviously work on food, so I'm the co-chair of the uh, food working group. Wow. And there's uh, there's um, architect and there's textile. I shouldn't say architect. That's wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Industry waste and, and textile waste, building waste. That's what I'm struggling with. There building you go. Waste. Uh, and so there's actually a conference coming up that I would highly recommend you go to. Where in is November. it? It's in Vancouver. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in Vancouver. Um, but yeah, go to the National Zero Waste Council um, website. So cool. they're, you know, we're all trying to do a piece, but again, unless we're collaborating, we're not going to move the needle. Mm-hmm. And so this is one way of, you know, what is what are we driving towards, and how can we get there together? Yeah, great. I love meeting other people who are, I mean, virtually meeting wherever the phone right now, but like meeting other people <laughs> who are uh, doing things that are just as exciting as a podcast <laughs> yeah it's awesome and you can feel passionate about it and great and yeah. like and know that you know you're making a change but i mean the whole system has to change and that's that's big that's big that's big it's really that's a slow moving process but it, it is moving right it's it is moving? moving and yeah, yeah stay, like i i really believe at second harvest we stay in our lane we have a very clear mission and that is food loss and waste and so our goal is not to run a charity. Our goal is to go out of business and fix the problem. Wow. So that, that's what we're doing. You rock. That's great. Can you tell me about Feeding Our Future and uh, your training and education programs at all? Of course I can. So Feeding Our Future is a summer lunch program for summer camps. And it is specific to the city of Toronto where student nutrition occurs in, uh, in every province, although it needs to be funded better. But the Ontario government does fund it. So people, so children and youth have access to food in schools, but what happens in the summer? So we actually only supplemented with surplus food. This is purchased food where we have volunteers make lunches, and I think we did 42,000 lunches this year because typically we're trying to integrate surplus food more, but we also have to make sure surpluses, you never know what's going to come. Right, <laughs> it's less predictable. Sure right. Available. So that's our Feeding Our Future program. Training and education comes in many forms. Um, We have five kitchens across the city of Toronto, and they're called Harvest Kitchens. And that's where we provide raw ingredients to training kitchens that uh, train people with barriers to employment. And they transform it into wonderful meals that are then picked up and delivered by our fleet uh, to organizations that don't have kitchen facilities and would like to have prepared food. Right. So you do offer not just we have a surplus of apples and a surplus of uh, whatever. You can also say, here, we have some pizzas that have been prepared. Or what other kinds of meals would you prepare um, in your kitchens? Oh, 
yeah, I would say pizzas is probably not one of them, but... What? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, that's an oh, easy meal fine. to make. It's fine. So, what do you make? Like, we'll drop off, uh, uh, like, a lot of casseroles or just chicken and potatoes sometimes. Like, whatever you're thinking about dinner, that's what they're making. That's fantastic. So, it d- yeah. depends on whatever is dropped off on that particular day. We also provide them with funding so they can hire a chef trainer. That's amazing. So then those low-income people or people who are um, trying to learn new skills through your training and education programs, are they receiving compensation? Are they getting meals out of this? Or like, I think all of the above. So okay. these, these organizations, they're not run by Second Harvest. They are supported by Second Harvest. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So we have five different, like a Y, Scarborough Boys and Girls Club, Frontlines, Hospitality Training Kitchen, and CORE. And they... They all run a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is a program that is specific for uh, people with developmental disabilities, and it really is to train with life skills. Yeah. So how do you work in a kitchen? Uh, another one is working with black youth, and it is they're paid a stipend, and and, they, and it is to get uh, skills training so that they can place them in a job so that they're actually going into a job right after this. Wow, yeah. Um, the Scarborough Boys and Girls Club, they work with the local high school, and they train youth on creating meals and so so that might actually lead them into a job or lead them into a culinary skills program that is uh, in, at a college level it's all a little bit different mm-hmm. <laughs> but good. the intent for them all is the same like like it's, let's train people let's get people excited about food and it's like a black box uh, event every day right you never know what's coming <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's part of our skills training we also do we're incorporating an e-learning. As I said earlier, we do um, certification for food safety. Oh, great. We, yeah. uh, we do nutrition education. Mm-hmm. We also do food waste education so that people can learn how to, uh, organizations, oh, we are business yeah. to business, can learn how to minimize any waste that they're creating. So is that with um, restaurants or you said businesses, but yep. like who's, who's learning business. how to prevent food waste? Some businesses. So we've gone in and audited and help them determine what that food loss and waste is and how that they can position themselves for foodrescue.ca because there is going to be some surplus. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are social service organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are schools. So <laughs> we work with all the, uh, many of the colleges and we do a bit of lecturing and we work with universities. Good. Um, oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. If anybody wants to know, we're all about sharing. <laughs> want to share seriously yeah so how could i bring second harvest anywhere in canada to give a presentation about any of those topics you would connect to second harvest yeah and would you be like, we hey, would identify the right over. person yeah so you guys have people in every province or uh we no we have people in ontario and we have people in british columbia Great. so yeah. um in the next three years we will have somebody in every province Wow, cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is one of uh, the mandates of Second Harvest to deal with climate justice, focusing on the fact that the majority of people that are causing greater damage to the environment will likely be the last to feel its effects. The people creating crazy amounts of food waste and surplus um, are not the people who are going to feel the pangs of climate change first our mandate is environmental so when we talk about who's feeling climate change for sure it's going to be developing countries that are feeling it Mm -hmm. more and it's because of what we are doing in more developed countries Mm -hmm. so 
Uh, I mean, even if a farmer's creating it, I feel like in Canada, they're probably feeling it too with floods and the, the weather the way it is. So how do we justice? I mean, I think more for me, it's more about collaboration. Mm-hmm. So people, when they know better, they do better. So we work across the supply chain and, you know, there's an economic benefit to not having food waste. Honestly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, and I'm, I'm noticing a shift. Like I'm noticing uh, even in the past two years, yeah. a big shift where Amazing. businesses, uh, they're creating targets. They're starting to measure. And I mean, step one is measure. So we hadn't even been measuring. As I said earlier, we're working internationally with other organizations that would like to embed food recovery into their countries. And so we give them, again, the tools and the knowledge to, to do that. But even two years ago, we were with the, meeting with the World Bank, and they hadn't connected climate to food waste. Really? They were working, wow. like they were working in silos. So, again, the more you know, the better you do. Absolutely. <laughs> so now we're connecting it. Absolutely, and and Drawdown does that connection too. They also emphasize like it's in the, t- the list of top ten um, solutions exactly. to climate change or um, drawing down carbon. Is two of them were food waste related. Exactly, and Crazy. I mean in Canada we're not you know we're not doing good. We're in the top ten. Yeah, we <laughs> and are. And we're we're a very small country. Like in terms of landmass, we're big, but we are. There's not that many of us yeah. to have such an impact. Mm-hmm. What are your tips for people to reduce waste in their own homes? Well, I would say shop less, like yeah. buy less when you're shopping. Recognizing we're all busy and, and we, we do uh, bulk shopping. Count how many times you're cleaning out your fridge and what you're cleaning out and add up what that is in terms of actual money. Like mm. we're losing, everybody's losing about $1,700 aggregately annually on food that they're just throwing away. Oh so I find, I find when I shop less, like buy less when I do a weekly shop. Yes, yeah. I'm still like uh, there's still extra food because mm-hmm. like life happens. Your friends call, you want to go out, or whatever. Like your kids have a game, so there's that. Understand best before dates. Best before dates are not expiry dates. Best before has nothing to do with food safety. There are only five foods that expire in Canada. What are they? There, it's baby formula. So and that's based on the nutrients your child needs them. So if it's past its expiry dates. You know, you could compromise a young system, so absolutely don't do that. Uh, another one is like meal uh, replacements, like Ensure for seniors, and again, same reason. People need those nutrients to be healthy. Right, uh, so you could one, still consume it, but it wouldn't be doing its job at that point. Exactly, that's okay. exactly right. Okay. Another one is a meal replacement, and two of them are by prescription only. One is for a feeding tube, and one is diet related. So that's it. The rest are best before dates that uh, were manufacturer generated. This is not a CFIA rule. This is a manufacturer date. It's conservative, and it's based on peak freshness. So, and even then, it's conservative. So, you know, I think public health did us a great disservice with the when in doubt, throw it out. And we have to change our mindset around that. Nothing happens at the stroke of midnight. Best before does not mean bad after. So, just use your your senses to determine if it's good or bad that's great likely 99 percent of the time it's just fine (laughs) yeah so what about i think the biggest thing for people um is meat and dairy that is the most concerning with best before an expiry so do you have any tips with that i absolutely have advice for everything thank you please go on (laughs) (laughs) so my advice for meat and dairy uh is freeze it (laughs) yeah every, every food is freezable yeah. Even eggs, right? Like everything can be frozen. So if you freeze it on the date of its best before, it's fine. 
what will happen is like you can have it in your freezer for like a year but it's not a safety issue it's just right it's, it's just frozen. your palate yeah so freezing your food and don't forget about it once you freeze it <laughs> yeah exactly and do you have creative tips for using up food waste so um or not food waste but food that is still edible that you're just kind of like whoa like i don't know how to eat the rest of this cauliflower or i don't know how exactly. to eat the rest of this um uh, jug yeah. of milk that you know might go bad soon i don't know exactly and i mean i and it's fair like there's not and i'll be quite honest i am not an at-home cook very often uh that's not my big skill is not a, as a baker but i i do make chili a lot and mm. that's exactly how i use all of that food that's great like yeah. when there's leftover and if you've got milk then you know if there's something you want to bake there's always bananas in my freezer so or there's some kind of dessert you can make with it so sometimes it means, a yeah, you gotta devote yeah. that extra molecule <laughs> really great in the kitchen like me and look up a recipe but like I always look up recipes four ingredients or less because that's who I am but that's great Um, and uh just (laughs) typing into whatever your search engine is the five or six ingredients that you have in your fridge that you're just kind of like how does how do these things go together tell me uh internet and it works (laughs) it works every time (laughs) exactly and also I find that if you see your food waste it changes things so i like i recommend people putting it in glass on the counter and then you can see it add up and especially if you have children they will shame you my children Mm. are all adults now but i've (laughs) seen this happen (laughs) what is going on here you know you have to set yourself a target even at home yeah and what's my target that's great so measuring is such an important thing and that's the same with um reducing your waste is taking kind of a trash audit seeing what you're throwing out and looking for alternatives so seeing what food waste is going in your garbage can and or in your compost and being able to identify oh well maybe i'm not i'm not really a chef this week this week is busy and so i should not be buying this much groceries especially fresh produce and uh fresh perishable foods Second harvest is awesome because we're all part of it and everybody can be a second harvest. Your fridge is your second harvest. Second harvest is not just an organization. It is all of us. And it's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's true. It's exactly right. It's a mindset. Because then you can look like, honestly, the weirdest example I have from late is I had been given my mom took your advice and froze some donuts because she couldn't eat them before they'd go stale. I don't know who can't eat a box full of donuts in time, but <laughs> your mother, your mother donuts <laughs> in the freezer. And then they're kind of weird coming out of the freezer. Like the, the glaze is kind of like dribbled to the bottom of the yeah. container. Anyway, so I was like, about to throw them in my composter and I was like no I can do this (laughs) I can do this we made what did I make um french toast with donuts so I sliced them in half and I just asked the internet the internet's the smart one somebody on the internet um and yeah I made french toast and it was so delicious (laughs) right exactly then you can eat donuts for breakfast yeah That's brilliant. We just have to be a bit more creative. Yes. So measuring and then creativity and rethinking waste and looking for how you can get a second harvest out of every every meal. Even um, another person we've had on the podcast, Anthony Lennon, he was able to talk about how he's had people over for dinner and they were going to scrape their plates into uh, the garbage if they didn't have 
like if they didn't finish the whole thing and he's just like well, well, well what are you doing <laughs> you put that back in the pot and i will eat it later so yeah just changing your whole mindset is exactly, exactly. it's behavior change i Absolutely. mean all a lot of their systems change and there's behavior change and behavior change is difficult mm-hmm. uh, so it has to matter to you and climate matters to most people, I think. So remind me again, where can people connect with you online? Any social media platforms that people can reach out to you through? Oh, yeah. List them all. <laughs> uh, yeah, at Second Harvest. Uh, we have an Instagram. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. We have, you can always reach Lori Nickel on LinkedIn. I love answering questions. And we have a website called secondharvest.ca. If you're a local food business, I shouldn't say local. If you're a food business or a social service organization, Mm -hmm. a profit of any kind, I recommend you go to foodrescue.ca where you can access surplus food for your programs. That's so good. Right. So I meant to ask this earlier about the, um, if my farmer's market registers and and says we have this much food, it'll ping all the um, shelters in the area or whoever's in need of food. But do they also have to go on and register themselves as something that they'd like to receive notifications when there's food in the area? Exactly. Okay. So the so the the nonprofits are also registered. Okay. So if you are a nonprofit or if you are um, somebody who has a surplus of food, then everybody get on to foodrescue.ca and be able to connect all the food because nothing should be going to landfill. Ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. ever. <laughs> Amazing. This was Great. such a good conversation. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you so much. This was fun. Good. I Excellent. love talking about this and so do Me you, which too. is always great, right? <laughs> Thank you again. All right, you have a great day, Dom. Yes, you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to learn more about Second Harvest, head to secondharvest.ca. You'll find the link to their website as well as their incredible report on the avoidable crisis of food waste in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's episode, then you would definitely enjoy episode 7, Takeout and Food Rescue with the Go Market app, all about feeding the hungry with the excessive surplus in this world. The solutions to our problems can seem painfully obvious sometimes. You can find that episode along with all the rest in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at practicallyzerowastepod. And if you'd like to support me and all the work that goes into this show, you can always go to anchor.fm slash practicallyzerowaste and hit the support button. That's all for now. Have a great waste-free week, everyone, and talk to you soon.